And in a sense, a large part of this talk is simply trying to get us to see that this is a question worth asking. And then I have one suggestion as to how we can at least in part fulfill it. But before I talk, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that the scriptures speak truth into our lives. And we pray that you would give us open hearts and open ears to hear you tonight. And I pray for your help to speak clearly and in a helpful way. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was reading the book of Acts and I came across this verse and I'll read it to you. It's in Acts 13 and it's verse 36. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Now, the bit I'm not going to talk about is falling asleep, because that's not on my agenda for us tonight. It's this little phrase, striking phrase, that Luke writes about David. When David had served God's purpose in his own generation. You know, there are so many things that Luke could have said about David. He could have highlighted his military career and achievements, but he doesn't. Neither does he highlight David's shortcomings. He could have done, but he doesn't. He doesn't mention David's skill as a worship leader or psalm writer. He doesn't talk about David's character development or anything that David did in particular. But he writes over David's life this memorable phrase, David served God's purpose in his own generation. And my big question for us, individually and together, is will that be said of us? Could it be said of you as an individual and of us as God's family at St. Michael's that we have served God's purpose on are serving his purpose in our generation because I'd love that to be said of me and I'd love it to be said of you and the first thing that strikes me when considering this is it's not a question that many people get round to asking how am I going to serve God's purpose in this generation and if it becomes a question that is important to you it will influence pretty much every decision that you make. You won't want to make a decision about your career or your friendships or where you're going to live or which church you might or might not join, whether you'll be married or single, what company you might work for, etc. All those decisions will be influenced by the question at the back and front of your mind Am I serving God's purpose in this generation? And the more I've thought about it, the more I've come to think it's much easier to duck this question than to face it. Helmut Thielicke, who was a German theologian, once preached from his pulpit, God will have to write in red ink beneath the story of many lives a remarkable performance, lively, interesting, fascinating, but you miss the whole point. And by that time, the story will have ended and cannot be rewritten. 
Jesus once told an amazingly observant story, and we know it often as the parable of the rich fool. And actually, the life he describes in this short little parable is, I think, the default template that so many of us would fall into were we not to think about it. It's just kind of what is a pattern of life that becomes your way of living unless you try hard not to let it. And it's interesting to me that it's the same pattern when Jesus walked the earth as it is today. Jesus says, I'll read to you from Luke 12, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed because a person's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I've no place to store my crops. And then he said, well, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you've plenty of good things laid up for later years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And Jesus says, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. And it's a constant challenge to walk away from that kind of a template of living life for a comfortable life, a life which is arranged around me. I spent far too much of the last year going to see um, an eye consultant and having my eyes tested. And I know what a dreadful experience it is when you sit down and uh, the optician turns to you and says, what's the lowest line you can read on the chart? And you say, where's the chart? And that's not a good place to be in. And it's as if God could whisper in our ears, are you serving my purposes for your generation or are you looking in the wrong direction altogether? Is that a question you've never asked yourself? And most people don't. We might ask ourselves all sorts of questions for the coming year, how's life going, and do a quick checkup. You know, well, I'm paying off a mortgage, I've had an increase in my earnings, I've had a promotion at work, uh, I've got a few th more things to do in my wish list. My children, they must be a success, you know, I'm longing to get married, or I'm married and I wish I was single, or whatever it is that's bugging you. But where is it in your thought and my thought, am I serving God's purpose for this generation? So I wanted us to just front that question. And in a sense, if you go home and you scratch your head and you think about it, this talk's hit the mark. But I have one suggestion as to how we could at least get on the right track. One way we can be serving God's purpose. And, and in some ways, it's a surprising suggestion. And that is that we make a decision that we're going to deliberately give ourselves to building up God's kingdom and serving God's people in his church. Because if we were to throw our weight behind this, we would be doing a lot 
to serve God's purpose for our generation, and I want to explain why. It's taken a very long time for this penny to drop for me personally. I think for so many years, I, I kind of ran off a way of doing life which said, Jesus, yes, church, well, only if I must. And superficially, that seemed to be possible to make a disconnection between loving Jesus and following him and getting stuck into his family, the church. And I could well understand when people would say, why bother, can't I do it online instead, for example. But I've come to see more and more and more and more that actually an essential part of God's provision for each of us who are followers of him is his family, the church. Following Christ basically is a team event. It can't be done effectively alone. Quite early on, if you train to be a vicar and you realize you're going to have to preach and give talks a lot, you learn the importance of collecting illustrations. And I would guess that one of the oldest illustrations in the book and the most hackneyed is, goes something like this. And it's a story of a Scottish pastor in ancient times visiting on horseback one of his elderly parishioners who lives in a crofter's cottage. And so he mounts his horse and he rides over the moors through the winds and the frost and whatever else it is, the snow. And he knocks on the door of this dark crofter's cottage and he goes in and he finds this member of his congregation just sitting there, huddled in an overcoat in front of the coal fire. And not a word passes between them, but he, the pastor lifts out of the fire with the tongs a burning coal and he puts it in front of the hearth and together in the silence he and the parishioner stare at this and they watch the coal go out not a word is said he leaves him gets on his horse and goes back home from which we're meant to gather and illustrate that if you don't go and worship with the flock your fire will go out brilliant except that that only really tells half the story and perhaps not even the most important half. It's not untrue what I've said. If we separate ourselves off from God's family and we decide to do DIY, go it alone Christianity, pretty soon our life will crumble as a follower of Christ because we're not meant to be isolated. And if you're isolated from the flock, you're, you're just so vulnerable to be picked off. And so much of what God calls us to do is together. We will dry up. And before long, actually, we'll become self-centered and worship will become just what pleases me. And I mean, I think I actually lived like this during lockdown when no one was able to go to church and I became a consumer church and I skipped the bits I didn't like you know if the worship got boring I just moved the slide along if the sermon got boring I just moved to another church and it became a consumer product but that isn't actually the point I want to make really when you just focus on that coal going out you're missing half the point the point I want to make is 
if ever we separate ourselves from God's family, we're depriving God's family of the gift that is you. God has made you the way he's made you with gifts, talents, personalities, characters, which are really important for the building up of his kingdom. And this came home, home to me in a very personal way when I was working in the southwest of England. And uh, I was um, quite a bit younger then, and I was trying to build up a congregation. And one particular week, a, a couple came in, I'd never seen them before, and um, had a nice chat, and they went off. Uh, a few weeks later, they were back, and they became regular worshippers with us. And as I got to know them better, it, it became, we became friends. And I learned that the man himself was actually a retired pastor from the United States. And for a period of about two or three years, on a weekly basis, I would go around to his house and he would give me a cup of coffee and we would chat together and I would just offload some of the burdens I was carrying and he would speak wisdom into my life and he would guide me. And what struck me was what a huge gift this couple were to the ministry of that church and to me personally. And I literally shuddered to think how my life would have been diminished had they decided not to bother worshipping anywhere. So if I was telling the story of the crofter, I would want the guy who was sitting there in his croft all alone, I want to shake him and say, while you're not with us worshipping, we're being robbed. Never mind the fact that your faith might fall apart over time, although that's quite interesting. I'm actually more interested in the fact that God's kingdom cannot grow properly without you. This is a team game that God is calling us to. And if we're going to serve the purpose of God in our generation, we're going to need to be connected to the team. And I've said before from this pulpit, really, that one of the secrets of leadership that I have come to discover over what is pretty nearly, I think, 40 years of ministry now, is that it doesn't matter how big the congregation is that you're leading or how small the congregation is that you're leading it really doesn't matter when an individual arrives who's sold out for Christ full of faith in the Holy Spirit and determined to live to please Christ they make new things possible but if they don't opt in then the speed of God's kingdom growth is going to be held back and the challenge is it takes an awful lot of commitment to make that a priority. It's one of the things that really puzzles me is how we understand this for nearly every other realm of life. You know, if you want to be a concert pianist, you know you're not going to get there in a week. If you want to be a surgeon, you know that you're going to have to dedicate your life to being trained. If you want to be an accountant, you can't just do that in two years. If you want to be a sports person of any kind, you know you're going to have to let it influence every corner of your life. And following Christ and building his kingdom takes exactly the same kind of intentionality. And of course, it's sacrificial. But behind every church, big or small, which is making a dash for God's kingdom, which is making a difference, there are individuals and there are families that are fully committed and devoted to it. And just deciding that you are going to plug in properly and fully 
into God's worshipping community would put you well on the track to serving God's purpose in your generation. Well, let me put this really bluntly and as plainly as I can. If you look in your schedule and your diary for the coming year and you can't see time scheduled for building up God's family in person, you're not really serving the purposes of God in your generation. End of. Which is a brutal thing for me to say. But I want to put it out there. If you say, I'm so busy in the week, by the weekend I'm knackered, you do it for me. I want to say, you can't. I can't. If you want to say, I'll pay someone else to do it, what kind of example is that? But when we choose to build God's kingdom like this, when we invest ourselves in his family, the church, you and I are pouring ourselves, our lives, into what God has given his life for. God's primary way of changing the world is through his people, the church. You know, we sometimes hear that people who get sent to prison come out uh, having treated it like crime school. They know more than they should and when they went in about how to live a corrupt life. Well, time spent with God's family is the opposite. Time spent in Christ's school, you come out skilled with the tools to live life to the full. And when we invest in God's church and family together, we're investing in God's treasured possession. I like to think about that. Most above all else, if God were to give us a tour of his world, it wouldn't be to those kind of holiday destinations, you know, New England in the fall. It wouldn't be to see the Niagara Falls or the pyramids. It wouldn't be to stand in queue to see the crown jewels. He would say, let me take you to my treasured possession and he'd take you to a church where his family are at work. And an investment in this, you know, it's never gonna go past its sell-by date. It's never gonna be snuffed out. So, how are we gonna do this? Well, I think most of you have decided this already, but find a church in which you basically fit. That's the very first thing. You, there are so many churches you can choose from. Don't join a church because it's the nearest or the fullest or the emptiest. Find a church which if you get stuck into that church and you imagine yourself belonging to it for a year, you will grow spiritually. And then find a church which if you get stuck in for a year and they get to know you and you get to know them, you can help it to grow spiritually. And of course, I would want to say that such a church will be Bible-centered, it will be open to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gifts will be encouraged. And I want to say when you find that kind of church, a church which will feed you and you can play a part in it, stick there for as long as that's true. And then I've got a few more tips and I'm going to go through them very quickly before I come to an end. Commit to attending regularly. You know, one of the things that surprised me, and it's not a good surprise, in arriving to work in London, which I've now been doing for over two years, is that there seems to be a kind of idea that if I come to church once every two months, that'll be fine. I'll do my stuff because I've got a house in this other location or this other country or two or three houses or whatever. Well, the thing is, you won't really grow going to any church 
once every two months. You won't really contribute much to the growth of God's kingdom in frequently turning up. Something disproportionately good happens when you commit to spiritual disciplines weekly or daily. You know, when I read my Bible every day, I get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Somehow or other, if, if I just read the Bible every other day, it does much more damage than just 50% of damage. It, it puts an energy and a, a, a whole anointing thing that God can do when you get committed to regularly attending. And let me just assure you, I'm not saying this, I really am not saying this because I need your bum on these seats. You know, this is not a drive for a greater attendance. It's, a, it's a, from my heart to your heart saying, if you want to grow spiritually, stop playing at it and make an earnest bid to do all you can to let God bless you and build you up. In every church that I've been to, which is going places, there are people like this who are absolutely committed to regularly coming and they feel they miss out if they're not there every week and they're true, that's right. Secondly, join a small group. There's so much to be gained by having a group of people who know you well and you get to know well, who will love you week in, week out, who can be honest with you, who can benefit from your wisdom and uh, they'll be there when life gets tough. And God can do marvelous things through small groups. And again, all the strongest followers of Christ I know belong to a small group. And it would be just such a common testimony that they rely on it, they value meeting with other believers. I think you can't get far in serving the purposes of God in your generation before you understand that it hits your pocket, your wallet. Commit yourself to tithe. It's just a basic principle, but it's what people who want to serve the purpose of God do. They regularly give a tenth of what they earn freely to the place which is their home of spiritual worship. Commit to submit. It's a strange thing and I don't often talk about this, and probably should talk about it more, but few congregation members ever stop to think what it's like to be a leader of a church. Take it from me, it can be grim, but it doesn't have to be. It can be a joy. And the writer to the Hebrews says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as people who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden but that would be of no advantage to you. How can I help you will open so many doors in any of God's families. What can we do to help you? Find a place to serve. Give time, giving time is the best way to build up God's kingdom. There are so many ways we can serve and then I think I've got two more things as I come to a finish. Try and do a Barnabas and see what is good. It would be perfectly possible, I'd suggest, to walk into any church up and down the land or any land 
and see what isn't good. Uh, most churches have got uh, dark corners and the imperfections stand out very easily. But it, it's so much more healthy to try and see what is good and to piggyback on that and enjoy it. And I would say don't ever compare the church that you're worshipping in with any other church uh, because comparisons never actually end up uh, building you up. And lastly, one of the reasons that committing to building God's kingdom like this is so difficult is because so much of what we do is in secret. And the payback is, often doesn't come for years. And it may not come in your lifetime. And so what you need to know and I need to know is when we give ourselves to fulfilling God's purpose for us in our generation, we're working for the day when we see God face to face. And we all are going to do that. And we're working for the day and living for the day when he levels with us eyeball to eyeball. And we're living for the day when he can say over our lives and to our face, well done, my good and faithful servant. And on that day, not a single one of us is going to regret any of the time that we spent building up God's kingdom. We won't regret any of the days that we prayed and we found it was so hard to pray, but we persevered. Any of the days when we went to that house group, even though we weren't sure we wanted to. Any of the days when we contributed to the children's church or the Alpha course or the welcome team or the hospitality group or whatever it was, that at the time was so difficult to do because it looked like we were making no difference. We, we really do live to please the living God. And all I've been saying tonight is factor that into your decision making this year. Think about it because God has something that you can do to build up his kingdom and you can make all the difference. Let's pray.